1: Curator at the Louvre, asking if they can open up a new section and how exactly you hang a picture of an Arsenal goal. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name's Alex Smith. You can block me on Twitter Yankee Gunner. That's right. Goals so nice, they should be hanging in the Louvre. But how do you hang a goal in the Louvre? Can, can, you know, that's going to be the funny thing, isn't it? 20 years from now, you're going to go to a museum and there's going to be GIFs or TikTok videos. That's what's going to hang, which is maybe a sad development, maybe a good development. Let's not be curmudgeonly. Because it means we can put the goals from this Watford game into the Louvre, into a museum, which is where they belong. Beautiful, stunning, sensational goals scored by Arsenal. And because Arsenal believe in entertainment value, we just made it exciting at the end. You don't want a snooze fest. Who wants a snooze fest? I mean, especially if you're, you know, like West Coast Americans or, you know, I I was fortunate, 8 a.m. kickoff. But, you know, Scott, who was on the interaction pod, 6 a.m. kickoff. Got to keep him awake. And Arsenal did that, too. So I think we can all feel good about that. And... Even gave us a chance to have a little laugh at United with abject futility, especially in the second half of the Manchester Derby, taking zero shots, producing zero expected goals and going to war with one giant egomaniac striker. So it's all going swimmingly over there. The meltdowns of the United punditry was was something to behold. I really enjoyed it. And so we will celebrate the win, the move into top four and all the ramifications thereof and all the good performances therein with Tim him on Twitter. Hello, Tim. Hello there. And Paul, you can find him on Twitter. Pause my fans Hold pause.
2: Woo hoo! And it's pronounced "louver."
1: Louver in the louver. Yep, that's in the right. louver. And Clive is at the back of the pod. So if you uh, want to hear Clive, he will be coming on uh, after the break. If you don't want to hear Clive, then when the break hits, you can just you know end the podcast. Don't do that though. I don't hurt his feelings. This guy's sensitive. Okay, um, Tim. I-, I guess the best place to start, in my view, when you have a game like this, is just the goals. Mm-hmm. All three of them. Absolutely sensational. We'll set Martinelli's aside just for a moment. The Odegaard Saka partnership is really taking on the kind of level of quality that can get your imagination running wild. Mm-hmm. And you think about really great teams, and they have these partnerships that really capture the imagination. Usually one creative player and one attacking player, you know, in, in this case, Saka creating for Odegaard, Odegaard creating for Saka. They are posing a real problem for defenses. Saka cannot be marked by one man. Odegaard finds little pockets of space. That, whatever you want to call it, pirouette backheel thing he does in the buildup to the goal is just stunning. Saka at one point in the game, Ramsdale fires the ball out to him long from a goal kick, and it looks like it's going to go out in a touch. And he, he not only controls it with one touch, but controls it with like a flick forward, so he's on the sprint. They're both really at the peak of their powers right now, but it's the partnership, I think, that's making them look so special.
3: Yeah, 100%. It's it's that old, um, my, my one of my preferred uh, kind of all-encompassing football philosophies, put your good players close together. Um, <laughs> Seems to and, make sense. And things will happen. This This was always my argument for playing Sanchez up front. Um, kind of just off it just because it puts those two closer together, and that's that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and and you, could, I think you could see that the potential. Like when we bought Erdegaard, because we had him on loan, right? We knew a little bit about him. We like we knew that he liked to go over into that right half space, and so you think, okay, that's going to bring him closer to Saka. So you knew the potential was there, and they're both really good players. So, and again, one of the great hallmarks of really good players is that they understand. The qualities of those around them. This, this for me, was always Sesk um, Fabregas's greatest asset. And I know you guys, um, you know, made that comparison a little bit in the instant reaction podcast. But Fabregas, Fabregas's greatest asset for me was recognizing the strength in others. So when he was playing a through ball to Theo Walcott, he knew to play it along the floor. And when he played one for all, he knew to whack it up to his chest just little things like that. And when he was passing the ball to Leb, he knew to run forward because um, Leb's not going to shoot or anything, but he's also not going to lose the football. And and what you're starting to see is just the intelligence of these two players. And the really nice thing about it as well is they've got really contrasting qualities, which are really interesting. So just imagine for a second, you're a left back up against those two. Um, either Erdegaard is going to flick the ball around you or pass it around you. If, if if you don't commit, if you do commit, Saka's is going to run round you. He's going to run through you, and that's that's an incredibly difficult problem to solve. So not only have you got two players who can play fast one touch football, you know they they really they really smash the ball into each other. Um, sometimes sometimes it's very delicate, and they flick, but you know the, that ball moves, um, and it will move quicker than you can. Um, but it, even if you think you can deal with that then it's like, well, okay, well then Saka will run through you. And that that's just so important to have both things. It's so important to have um, you know, the having like the technical wherewithal to pick your way around the team and then having the the kind of I guess the speed, the acceleration, because that just tires defenders out. Just a mad, like even if you think you can deal with that for half an hour, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, like for 90 minutes your head'll be spinning. Mm-hmm. After a little while, and and you know, I I always felt that last season that partnership perhaps didn't quite get there, and I think that's just because we moved Saka around a bit. He was on the left sometimes, sometimes he was on the right. You know, Erdogan. I think it's clear. As much as, um, you know, I feel a bit smug because I really, really like this player and really, really <laughs> wanted us to get him. And and to be fair, don't think it was difficult to spot the talent there. But I think it's very clear that he's gone up levels in the last few weeks and he's spoken about feeling at home, you know, personally, but I think also tactically, he really kind of knows the job at the moment. And so, you know, you, you kind of, you trust players like that to work it out. You know, you just think, just keep them nice and close together and they'll work it out. And it's just, it's such a lovely mixture of qualities, but ultimately what we haven't had for a long, long time that very few teams can cope with. If you can go one touch and you can, you know, move that ball at pace, one touch flicks around the corner, you know, Saka, something I don't think we speak about enough with Saka is the fact that he can go on both sides um, that he can go with his right foot as well. He'll go on the outside of you. He'll go on the inside of you. It's very difficult to read. That's something Erdogan could develop as well. Um, but you know, it's it's just it's so difficult for defenses to deal with. And and yeah, I'm I'm massively enthused about it. I think these are our two best players. Um, more than more than likely, um, although it's nice. To, to think, or oh, oh, or is it party, or you want, oh, am I going? Am I like being down on Smith Row here? Like it's really nice to finally be looking at players and thinking, oh, who who actually is our best player? Mm. But I do think it's those two, and the kind of the confluence of them together is um, <clears> is very effective, and it's great fun.
1: Yeah, I I had this little laugh earlier today, thinking, picturing like Martinelli going up to Sack in the dressing room and be like, come on, I'll, I'll give you a car. I'll get. What do you want? I'll, I'll I'll get you. I'll get you something. Just just let me ten minutes on the right flank. Just ten minutes. That's all I'm asking. Because any attacking player is going to want to play alongside Odegaard in this form. And the thing that's so crazy about the guy seventy eight passes. Like think of you know, Paul. I, I I hate to bring up toothpaste, but I feel like I, I'm I must do it. Like our leading passers were always you know defenders. Granite Shaka. Like now it's our. 8-stroke 10, playing 78 passes in a game and, and completing 70 of them. You know, Normally when you see the really good creative players in the league, they have like a 70% completion percentage because they're trying such a high volume of cha- difficult passes, right? Odegaard's trying difficult passes and completing them at like 90%. It's just it's staggering. And I I, I love the way that right flank is working, but I think it's working also because We've compressed everything into smaller spaces that that lets them really get closer together. The distances look so good. So I you know I think Arteta deserves huge credit for the way this system has evolved, such mm-hmm. that you know it's all well and good to say Odegaard and Saka are your best players, but are they your best players if Odegaard's at the midway line and you know parties in our defensive third and Saka's standing on the touchline thirty yards away? Because that's kind of the shape we were in at times earlier in the season, and that's definitely not the case now. Paul of the um. Of the two goals, the the Odegaard goal and the Saka goal. We'll get to the Martinelli one in a bit. Do you have a preference? Uh,
2: The Odegaard goal. um, I think it's highly significant because it's Odegaard uh, charging into the box on the end of the move and putting it away. And we need goals beyond Saka and Smith-Rowe and Martinelli. We need Odegaard goals. We need Lacazette goals. I'm still giving Lacazette the goal from last week, which he allegedly scored.
1: <laughs> he, he certainly needs one. <laughs> <Okay>.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Two nice assists,
1: but still no goals. Yeah, yeah.
2: Seven assists in nine games and a goal, allegedly. Uh, you know, he's, he's doing it by other methods, but, um, yeah, no, I, I think the Odegaard one was highly significant and it involves both of them. Uh, it's a thing of beauty. Um that back heel, like before he he came to Arsenal, I had spotted the back heel thing. Um, and I think he had like four in this game, so it doesn't take a genius to spot that Odegaard likes a back heel. Mm-hmm. What was really interesting was the uh the uh like those united pundits uh that flood the airwaves. So Paul Scholes was doing a bit on that goal, and he says, something like uh, it's a fantastic goal. We're not sure if he means the back heel, but if he did, it was a very, very good goal. And I'm thinking, do you know anything about Martin Odegaard? <laughs> like to deny the powers of his back heel. Um and and it really is the back heel that just flips that chance open because it's so quick, so good, perfect spot, fast ball, and sack is through and a great cutback, absolutely peach of a cutback and Odegaard controls it and guides it past the keeper and he knows he's scored as soon as he struck it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's beautiful. It's the penetrative run. And I think that's what turns uh, Sesc on to tweeting because it was such the Odegaard run and the cleverness of all and the the quickness of mind and ball. And then the, you know, uh, uh, Fabregas was not the most athletic player in the world but he'd still rip you apart with his runs the give the go, uh, the run into the box. Um, and he'd carve them open and Mm -hmm. like put it in the back of the net. And it was so Sesky that even Sesk had to have his say on it, saying that this was the future of Arsenal Saka and, uh, Odegaard with a fire emoji and the man's probably not wrong.
1: No, not wrong at all. I mean, uh, yeah, I do have to laugh. Tim, Tim must have been tearing his hair out, though. There was a nice little section there in this game. Maybe it was in the second half. where we maybe spurned three good chances or, or opportunities to create good chances because no one would use their weaker foot? No one use their weaker yeah. foot.
3: Well, then Lacazette eventually did. There was that one where, again, Erdogan was probably in a very good position to shoot and would have had it been on his left foot. But then it's like, oh, no, I'll lay it back to you. After you, after you. And then eventually <laughs> Lacazette took a big old swipe at it on the swinger left foot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it was closer to a throw-in uh, than a goal. But
1: <laughs> Erdogan's
2: well, yeah. um, flick, just to make you happy, Tim, was with his weak foot. It was. It was
3: yeah. indeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's 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 definitely something to develop um, for that player. Um, and, and I don't really understand why footballers seem to be so reluctant to do that. It strikes me as something that you could bring up a weak foot to a basic level of competence quite easily, like Van Persie did it
1: mm, yeah.
3: um, quite quickly. And he, he wasn't amazing on his right foot, but he could swipe the ball when he needed to. And that's kind of... You know, that's kind of a bare minimum, isn't it? And and I like I honestly, I know I go on about it a lot, but it gives you so many more angles. It really, really does. And yeah, there, there there are a few players. And to be fair, a lot of the players Arteta's bought. I think the fact that they can go two ways is is has been important to him. Like Tommy Asu's very comfortable on his left. Um I think even Ramsdale's pretty decent on both feet. Obviously, Tavares is very two footed. I I do think. Um, that there's an element to which that is a bit of a priority for him, and we've seen Saka do it. I don't remember Saka's right foot being that great when he first came into the team, but mm. but now it's fine.
1: Yeah, I, I mean the thing the thing with Saka that I think always surprises me is his physicality. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. when he has to stick his backside into a into a defender and hold them off, you know, or, or ride a challenge. He is not a slight guy. And one of the things that's changing as these guys get older, it turns out they're growing. They're getting bigger and stronger. And like Odegaard and Saka and Martinelli, like players I would have thought of as small and slight, they're not really small and slight anymore, are they? And, no. And, yeah, and there, there's a robustness there.
3: Yeah, and but particularly with Saka, he's re- like he's always got his arm out. He's always like fending people. And that's, that's another thing when he takes the ball out of the air as well. One of the things that enables him to do that is he's quite often got his arm out. Uh, keeping players away from him and there was um I can't remember exactly when it was but it was in the second half where Pepe got a ball a bit like that and uh and you know I, I don't want to just get stuck into Pepe for no reason but you know and, and <laughs> but here but, goes. <laughs> but, but, but I'm going to yeah, but but like he didn't do that do you know I and mean? I was like mm-hmm. that there's like a key difference between him and Saka like when if you if Pepe's got his back to goal He's not turning you. He needs to get the ball facing the goal because he hasn't got that, like, putting his arm out and, you know, getting rid of the opponent, whereas Saka is... And and to be fair, the comparison is unflattering because I think Saka might be one of the best players in the world at doing that already, just spinning um, players. He's, He's so, so good at it. And it's such an... I think it's such an underrated commodity and it's one of the reasons that i mean again he's another one who's going to another level i think at the moment but one of the reasons i always thought he just always always plays is because nobody else can do that who who can just take you from like uh, a moderate value area into a dangerous area so quickly because he's so good at spinning players and um mm. it's 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 an amazing and very very handy skill to have in a winger
1: yeah and i mean he gets his goal by the way Because he basically bullies someone off the ball and wins it back, Um, you know, which is beautiful. And if you haven't seen it yet, Tim or or those of you listening, um, hi mom. There's a a video going around that sort of supercuts a Messi Champions League goal and a Bukayo Saka and Bukayo Saka scoring yesterday, and they're basically the same exact sort of movement, touch, finish. um, Because Bukayo Saka is as good as Lionel Messi, I think is the exact point there, and that can't really be contested. So. I just 100%. thought I'd bring that up. Yeah, 100. Oh, you know what, Tim? But before we get back to Paul, it came up in the instant reaction. It's been kind of going around on on Twitter. It sounds ridiculous to say, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway and ask you: If you had to swap Odegaard for a Premier League player right now, and and not like right now for the balance mm. of the season, but right now for the project we're trying to build for the trajectory we're on, mm. that's not a big group of players. Like I, I- there's no one I can say with certainty that's definitely the guy, some people have thrown out like a Phil Foden um no. you know i 've seen Bernardo Silva thrown out he 's going to be twenty eight in August, so as you know to me that means he 's basically i mean dead. got one for the yeah dead one for <laughs> dead, the grave dead. like forget football he should just stop living <laughs> altogether um but but I mean do you who who's in the cluster of players for you if anyone
3: yeah, not very many, not very many, and I will say in response to the instant reaction i I think Mason mounts very good.
1: Um but, <laughs> that, that but, is a reference to the fact that when Scott listed Mason Mount my reaction was uh shouting expletives let's just put it that way but I, I take your I, point yes uh, a lot of people have told
3: me let, let's good. not turn this into the the Chelsea Vision podcast oh, um please,
1: please god but, well so, soon they're going to be back in the championship right of business or whatever <laughs> so it doesn't matter
3: but but I I think he is a very good player for very subtle reasons but not as good as guard and obviously doesn't Boom. do the same things either um yeah it's it's cuz like Liverpool don't really even play with a number 10
1: do they would you like, would you swap him for alexander arnold uh he's a he's a unicorn alexander arnold is yeah he's a that, unicorn that's a very
3: interesting question um actually i mean i'm not even sure because like we've actually got quite a good right back not that good <laughs> diff- <laughs> totally
1: different right i mean you couldn't pick two different types of players uh, yeah, yeah, guard yeah would
2: be the better defender
1: You you know what? You know why I wouldn't pick Alexander Arnold? It's very simple. I think in order for a like unicorn fullbacks really only change, like make you exceptional if you already have awesome forwards. Like Danny Alves, right, was out of this world. But I think he was so good in that Barcelona team because look at the forwards he was delivering for. So like if if you lose Odegaard.
2: Yeah, our I forwards are, sh- are shit. So, over yeah, the they're be- still exactly. Yeah, they're bad. Exactly.
1: Sack and Martinelli, who would want them? No, and, go, go ahead, Tim. Sorry. And,
3: and also, like, if you have a fullback like Alexander Arnold, you have to build a midfield that yeah. will like basically play that space. And, and who, like, do you want Party at right back, you know, covering him? Do you want Xhaka at right back like, covering it? Don't like, start. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in, in short, like, no, no one really comes to mind. And um, certainly not James Madison, put it that way.
1: No, not James Madison, not Emmy Buendia, not Husamowar, uh, although he might make a nice left eight, which we might need eventually. Um, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, one of the reasons I didn't think we should go for Odegaard this summer was because I thought it was absurd that we could get him, and we shouldn't waste our time focusing on getting an Odegaard for 60 70000000 when we probably couldn't get him. Not only did we get him, but we got him for a fraction of what he should have been, and like it just looks like a damn steal is what it yeah, looks
3: like. There, there are a lot of clubs out there at the moment, I'm sure, who are going, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> we, <Yeah. laughs> we, we, sh- we should have gone for that. I, you know, I made, I made the comparison on Twitter, and again, not, and I, I caveated this heavily when I tweeted it as well, I'm not comparing the player to the influence and all of that, but, you know, it's just a throwback to me for us picking up Bergkamp, Vieira, Henri, and, and I realised they were all in Italy, but, you know, Getting their big move, not quite doing it. No one really being interested. Arsenal coming in, and then everyone going, "Ah, shit! <laughs> we should have, we should have seen that." Like if you get it right, buying a player that didn't quite make it a super club can be can be quite good. I think, like at this stage of oh, the Alexis career, oh, Alexis and Ozil
1: though, in that group, by the way. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think you know they have to be at this stage of the career so it doesn't feel like a, a big step down. Um, or anything, but Erdegaard, you know, he said in that TV, in that uh, Norwegian TV interview, didn't he, he was like, I was on loan a lot, and I think he kind of knew the Madrid thing was never happening, and with Madrid, Madrid don't buy players, they buy toys, and I think Erdegaard was a nice toy for them when he was 16, and he was like, yeah. you know, the most <clears throat> rated 16 year old, but by the time you got to 2021, they got some other new toys, and, and so, like, I mean, I don't watch a whole lot of Real Madrid, but like, I'm, I'm sure even Real Madrid are watching him at the moment thinking, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Well, they're
1: still trotting out
3: Modric and Cruz and the likes of them. Like, yeah, yeah. At, at, the very, at the very least, they're thinking, we underpriced this guy. Put it that oh, way. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was a steal. Um, now, Paul, the interesting thing about this game is like, as we do move up the pitch and as we do play more advanced and and we've got this attack now really clicking in a lot of exciting ways we're starting to see a little bit more basketball come into our game and I know it's annoying Arteta he spoke about it a bit he wanted us to kill off the game with I think he said 300,000 passes in their half I loved hearing that quote because that's exactly what I agree we should be doing and we don't want to go back to the bad old days of trying to kill off a game with a lead by sitting deep and just you know trying to resist the the waves of attack which we didn't do in this game and, and I hope we don't do again but do you have some thoughts on on how we got a little stretch in this game? There was an early warning sign. I mean, they had a goal in, like, the first what was a minute that was offside, and to be fair, we held the line well. Like, it's good defending. Um, right. And also, to be fair, one of their goals is not one you can legislate for, which is a guy jumping five feet in the air and shinning it in with a bicycle kick. But there were a lot of big chances for Watford in this game, and a lot of them came just kind of running through us in a very basic way. So do you have thoughts on how they were able to – Turn this game into maybe more basketball than we would have liked.
2: Yeah, look, I I think we're learning as we go. Um, I, I kind of did this analogy on on the instant reaction podcast, which is we're we got a lot of talented players, but it's maybe not until this game we've seen brilliance in the box. Um, and part of that is just we haven't been in the box until recently. They're learning, right? They're they're learning to do in-game what they haven't had a chance to do before. Um, they've had all the skills. They've done all this shit in practice. They just haven't done it in the games because we haven't been in the box. Well, now we're a team that creates brilliant chances, um, great goals, and it felt like a game where we could have scored five or six. And the great. next thing we need to learn is that, when you're playing great one end, it doesn't stop you getting uh, taken apart the other end if you don't do the work. And so Arteta talked about it in the presser afterwards that he talked about energy, uh, commitment, but also structure. Like we just dropped our guard. we It's like a boxing match where you're like, you're hitting the other guy and your jaw, jabs and it's all working and like your punches are landing. And the next thing, the guy smacks you in the face and you're like, holy shit, I dropped my guard. You know, the the gloves come down because you're having so much fun. But you've forgotten this guy can hit. And like, while this may not have been the most impressive Watford team that has ever existed, And Sissoko may not be your idea of a world class player. If he doesn't flub his touch or his pass, the guy is a uh, 400 mile per hour brick shithouse who will tear through you if he doesn't screw up his touch, and he mostly didn't. And that was a wonder goal. And they did cut through us, and we kind of took them for granted. So I just like, I would, I take this game as a learning game. We, uh, we need to correct to the signal which is when it's going great one end don't drop your guard don't become that other team i don't think we will uh, defensively we we've just been too good for too long there's a bit of correction a bit of um staying alert i i think you know we'll talk about the third goal that was a goal all about alertness on the attacking end and we need that flick th- that switch flicking Every time we lose possession, the other direction to say, um, or or rather sensing that moment where we may lose possession and put se- ourselves in a situation, people tuck in, get the shape right and be ready for the counter. That's stuff that City does, that's stuff that Liverpool does to make sure they don't get countered when they're down in the attacking. We haven't mm-hmm. spent enough time yeah. in the attacking third, in the penalty box, being dominant, being brilliant. That we are good at sensing when the ball's about to spill, and we could be in trouble, so this is new territory for us, and I think we're we're about to adjust to it we're a learning machine, we will learn,
1: yeah, and I, I mean please please yeah because I, I, th- gonna... I think there is more meat on this bone,
2: yeah, yeah, I just wanted to come in on that briefly because
3: i I think um I think where we're well well, where most of us are getting to, I know i'm getting to is like um is i guess trusting the process for, yeah. for want of a better <laughs> phrase you know but do you remember like back in october november december when you know we'd go one nil up and then we'd sit back and you go oh, jesus what's this about and arteta yeah. kept saying kept insisting that's not what he was telling them to do yeah and at the time i some of us i definitely was a little bit dubious you say about me- that. You, you, you,
1: I'm right here. <laughs> I here.
3: like I, I was definitely a little bit dubious because I was like, Well, why the hell do they keep doing it then? Like what's you know, I either like I, I don't think I ever felt this polemic about it, but like either you're lying or they're not doing what you say and either of those things is bad. But I think actually we can take Arteta at his word now that he wasn't telling them to do that because they're not doing it anymore. And so I think what we're seeing here is like some finessing of the formula. Um, and I think that Arteta, again, I, I don't speak for everyone, has probably got enough credit at the moment that you think, okay, this is fin- this isn't like a flaw in the coaching. This is finessing the formula, and also like it, every game has its own story, right? Like Mm -hmm. something else completely different will probably happen in the next game. And we'll talk about that and we'll talk about whether it's like a theme or a worry and then it will never happen again. And we won't ever discuss it again. And we'll forget we ever discussed it in the first place. Like there is a degree to which sometimes in a game just stuff happens and it's not necessarily endemic of like a wider problem or anything like that. Like I do think, you know, we conceded late against Brentford when we should have been controlling that. We, conceded late against Watford when we should have been controlling that. And and it was quite interesting, actually, where he made that 300,000 passes comment because did you see that stat from the last 15 minutes of the Manchester derby?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: Where City had <laughs> 92% possession. I mean,
1: that, like that... It. <laughs> capitulation by net. We'll, we'll come on to that actually, but yeah, keep going.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it kind of is, but it's kind of like, what the hell do you do about that? When someone, when, mm. when a team is that good that they can just strangle the life out of a game like that. And, and you know, that that's clearly what Arteta wants, right? It's three, one. And then they don't see the ball again for 15 minutes. And, and then, and, and then point, like you said, you know, they step onto you, you get in behind them and, and things like that.
2: Yeah. To your point, Tim, like, Arteta wasn't this wasn't after the game that he came out with that comment you well it was um you could see he was agitated we scored a second goal and instead of celebrating he went nuts on the sideline uh, going off at Chaka not not I don't think aimed at him but like at what we were doing um later on in the game you can see him super agitated about the the energy levels and the focus And there were actually periods, I would say, in that second half where we did the death by a thousand passes for short periods where, like, you could see what we were trying to do. And then we did stupid passes for no good reason. Um, And so you can see, if you want to, you can see the work in progress there. Like, it's not like he thought afterwards, hmm, maybe we got that wrong. He knew even when we went up to 2-1, we were doing this wrong right we were, we didn't have the control he he had that sense that like this is not safe and we're going to make this a hell of a lot harder than we need to and mm. it came to pass
1: yeah and i mean look if you look at the way city and liverpool play and especially city by the way they press really high up the pitch but like if they get bypassed they do some snide shit <laughs> they take a foul right they they do all, all kinds of crazy shit to stop getting exposed if you get around their press and I mean, we did that against Wolves. One of my favorite examples of this is Ben White giving the ball away and then kicking what's his name to to, to prevent him from getting in behind him. I just thought we were maybe a little too casual in this game. And when there was danger, we just kind of let it happen. But the other thing, you know, and Tim, maybe there's, there's something that we have to appreciate too is now that we're going to be up the pitch more, pressing more, attacking more, our defenders are going to have to do more defending in space sometimes or exposed sometimes. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have seven players around them cutting down every angle. And you know, that that's going to create some challenges. I mean, the irony is Watford's two goals, one of them comes from not much of a chance, I don't think you'd say, and the other one comes from just a bad shack a and giveaway, and, and a transition. They created some bigger chances. I think just came from some poor defending in space or not really holding a line perfectly. And like, I think we've sort of not seen any flaws in White and Gabriel's game in particular because they haven't had to do a lot of defending on their own now they're mm. going to have to, and I'm not. And by the way, I think they're great, and I think they will do great. But we're just going to see a couple more examples of defenders being exposed and having to handle more high leverage situations. You know,
3: yeah, definitely, and and I do think um, you know what's going on at right back probably influences that as well. Because oh, yeah. yep. when you've got Tommy Asu, it's almost like a third centre half, and obviously Cedric is a very different type of player, um, and he goes and he's probably added to our attacking game um you know so give him due credit for that but it's probably taken a little something from our defensive game so that I, I think there's an element uh, of that as well De- but definitely definitely like you're gonna if that's that's the trade-off of being an attacking team you're going to get exposed um and it's it's quite interesting because I, I came into watching this game straight after watching um the women's game and they did so they were 3-0 up with 15 minutes to go mm-hmm. and let two goals in um and then it was, it was a little bit nervy. They got another goal in stoppage time. But I spoke to the manager about it afterwards and he said the lesson for us in this game is to keep attacking. He said like the, the problems came when we stopped. Um, and then he said when we, we were a bit nervous after the second goal and he said something like I didn't like the two minutes after their second goal because you could see our players just wanted the game to end. And he was saying like, you've got to keep attacking because otherwise when you don't do that, That's when mistakes happen because he was his basically um, idea was that if you're attacking, if you make a mistake, you make it on the edge of the opponent's area. Whereas if you if you're sitting in and you you know you've got the ball in your own half and things like that, you're more more likely to make a mistake like in a much more dangerous area. And And I felt that that was probably like applicable to this game as well like we looked irresistible when we were like going for that fourth goal and looked like we were going to get it and I get what Arteta means as well about having 300,000 passes but then I think the second part of that comment is the interesting one where he says and then they come at you and then you get in behind them and you you know you pick your moments." so like his his idea of having three hundred thousand passes isn't just keeping the ball, albeit that's that's a good part of it. It's also with the mean. It's it's with the idea that, and then they'll come for you, and then you can go in behind them. It's with the idea of getting that next goal, and that that's you know I'm enthusiastic about that. I you know I I, I think Arteta's been talking about this for a while, and I kind of doubted it because I wasn't seeing it, but I am seeing it now, um, mm. and so I, I kind of give him, I guess, and the team that leeway a little bit because they have learned these lessons during the season and I'm seeing evidence that, they, that they're that they learning them.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and this is why, Paul, ultimately, football leads to so many arguments, whether it's player evaluation or game performance, because everybody sees the game a little differently and everyone wants something different from the game. I confess I loved this game and I know some people were annoyed by it. You know, the openness, the way we let them back in it. I just love seeing us score picture book goals and attack in waves and create, if not chances, nearly chances. And if I had a frustration in this game, ironically, it wasn't our defense. It was the way the left hand pod didn't really fire, didn't really, you know, create the opening so that we could really break them open the way, you know, maybe there were a couple of moments on the counter where Lacazette waited a little too long to make a decision because I see this as sustainably successful football. I think if you look at where we are right now and the way we're playing and the goals we're scoring with you know probably some additional strengthening in the summer to come from goal-scoring type players, I think you can win things with that. I don't think it's any coincidence that lately, if you look at the top of the league, you're going to find the teams that score the most. Granted, they also happen to be the teams that concede the least. So... There goes my argument. But like, you know what I'm saying, Paul? So for everyone's going to get a do. little different, something something different from football. And the way we are playing right now, you know, if you score three goals, you're going to win more often than not. And so, yeah, we kind of let them back in it. But it always looked like we had a fourth or a fifth in us too. I just, I love mm. the way we're playing. So while I recognize that we might start to see some defensive openness that is a change from what we had seen if it comes with us creating so much more uh so many more opportunities to score goals then i i don't have a problem with that i think that's the right trade off
2: um i i see where you're going but that seems for me that's that would be almost retrograde that'd be like uh kind of the kind of mid to late era Arsene Wenger period yeah, that's fair where you had to choose one or the other. And I think what we've seen with Liverpool and City and with Barcelona and the very, very best uh, attacking teams of this new generation is it's not one or the other. In fact, if you've got one, it has to be the other as well. The There are different ways of doing it. Liverpool does it their way with just the, ple- the pressure, the intense t- intensity and the physicality that when they lose the ball, they go to get it back Almost immediately. City does it with control and more passing. Arteta will find his nuance of it. But we brought in White and Gabrielle as our center back pairing so we could push up the pitch and be front footed. Yeah. Um, we do not want to be. This was great fun. And I agree with you. I love this game, but I don't want this to be our template going forward because against the big teams, w- You know, you can't do that. And against middle-level teams who are a little more effective, it's just too crazy. You need some level. At some stage, your team gets rattled. And in a couple of games' time, after two or three of these and an unlucky result, they start losing their confidence as well in terms of attacking. So you have to to be able to close the back door. And so I just see this as a progression along the way. We've kind of overcorrected in terms of how – attacking we were it's not really again the attacking it's the moment at you're about to lose the ball is the thing we're not to attuned to we've just got to tighten that up so mm. when that moment comes everybody's like get in your positions the the corrections come in and you can have both you can have this attacking i agree that like the big issue out of this game is what's going on the left hand side it may not be a million miles off or it may be a striker who can get on the end of Tierney crosses, or it may be an upgrade in
1: a left eight. Who's a little better yeah. in small spaces. You know?
2: Yeah. It could be an upgrade in what, you know, a gun to gun instead of a, a Chaka there. Chaka's done pretty well the last few games, this game. Eh. Um, but like there's more, even in as good games, you don't have that run into the box, the danger on the end of the ball. I think when you have all of that, you will also have more technical security the moment you lose the ball. That's what it's all about. The reason we were open and this was end-to-end was because the moment we were about to lose the ball, we were off it. And again... Look at Arteta for the third goal, right? He's already the 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 reason we beat. Arteta Watford, already
1: had a pre-assist in the game.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the reason we beat Watford, this is my theory, is because Roy Hodgson is 103, and Arteta's still sharp and match fit, and got on the end of that and got the ball to Saka for the throw in, <laughs> and that's our third goal. Like it's the anticipation of the next moment, and we just we were. Our tuning was off for this. We were all like, oh, this is, we can slow, look at this, you know, flicks, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you got to be anticipating the moment before you lose the ball. And we're not, we're not quite there yet. But then we haven't been doing this for very long. It's a a, a few games and maybe no game quite like this. Did we just, I think we dazzled them. Like we put the goalkeeper catatonic on the ground for our second and third goal. But I think we might've dazzled ourselves a bit too and fallen in love with just how well we were slicing and dicing them. There were a few
1: extravagant flicks and things going on there. I don't think we necessarily switched on. Like there was one moment where Odegaard missed a chance to play someone in. I think it was, and he slumps his shoulders. And he yeah. walked, like, kind of like, oh, we could add another yeah, goal. Yeah, I but remember like, that, yeah. Watford go off on a counter, and then Odegaard, like, snaps alive, and he's like, oh, shit, I need to chase back, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to get benched. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, there was maybe just a little bit too much of a sense of this is going to be easy that crept in there. And, and I, overall, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, the, the interesting thing, though, Tim, that, that I, I'm trying to reckon with, you know, imagine if we had an Odegaard on the left-hand side. And then yep. people say, well, this isn't FIFA. We'd be so open. But, like, are you going to tell me Odegaard is more defense, more of a defensive liability than Shaka? Like, Odegaard chases back. Odegaard tackles. Odegaard mm. recovers ball. And, like, this is not an anti-Shaka point. It's the point that, like, a guy who had that kind of understanding of small spaces and through balls and, and could crash into the box and sort of float outside around the forward or, you know, come, tuck inside. Like, we have that on the right. And on the left, we have a guy playing a fairly static fixed point position. Who, you know, again, I get it if you were going to say, well, he's meant to be more of the defensive stability, but I don't think any of us would say, granted, Shaka running 60 yards back towards his goal is a strength of his. So I, I don't think it's absurd to say the next level here is an Odegaard. I mean, you know, there's only one Odegaard, but an Odegaard guy on the left.
3: Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm really. Glad actually, Clive's not on this podcast because I'm going to say something that make him furious. But like, you kind of feel like Danny Sabios would fit into this team a lot better than. Um, oh, thank than... God he can't hear you. <laughs> to, to be
1: fair, I wish I hadn't heard you, but I, I
3: take which, your point. Which is which is not the same as saying that I think he's good and we should get him back. Why not just Samby then? Like, but, like
1: yeah, little small yeah, space. Yeah,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. Like I think I think if if I was sambi Lakaonga, my eyes would be lighting up and thinking, yeah, I could play that position. Mm-hmm. I I think the thing is, um, like I don't think it's so much. Jacques's defensive contribution I think it's more the building than the kind of the off-ball stuff um, so you know him kind of going back shuffling back alongside party and being that mm-hmm. That double pivot like it it moves right it 's like it 's like the accordion, it goes in and out and like sometimes and he's doing fine with that. To, yeah. yeah 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 he he 's doing fine with it, and I, I like in a way, I feel sorry for him because um I think i 've used this analogy before, but there 's a future armor episode where uh, the main character Fry goes to this other planet and he accidentally kills the emperor, and on that planet, if you kill the emperor, you become the emperor and when he's when he's doing his coronation, he's looking on all the pictures on the wall of the past emperors, and then like there's a picture of him, and it's like emperor Fry, and then the two pictures to the right are um the guy that kills emperor Fry, <laughs> and then the one after is the guy that kills emperor fry emperor Fry's killer, and that's that's a bit like Xhaka at the moment he must be playing this role going ah, oh, I'm, I'm digging my own grave here. I, I know that like this, this isn't my role. Like I'm keeping this warm for someone else. And, and yeah, I, I think it's one of those things. It's fine at the moment, but I think it definitely needs addressing in the summer. What I would say as well, I, I'm kind of happy just to keep it as it is for now, just cause it's working. Um, but I I think there is potential for like a good substitution in there in a game, perhaps that isn't going our way or where we need a goal of like having Smith row there. I wouldn't start like that personally. I I do think you need to keep some of these subs in your back pocket just in case and not play all your cards at once. Um, Mm. Which is why I'm quite comfortable with one of our really good attackers being on the bench, whoever it is at the moment, yeah. right? actually two of them, because at the moment you've got either one of Smith-Rowe or Martinelli on the bench, and Pepe, that's fine, that's good. Having yep. two good attackers on the bench is good, it's not a problem. And and yeah, I do like the idea of perhaps one of those subs being, you know, 65 minutes perhaps, um, you know, what's it like, home to Leicester, let's say it's 0-0, Smith-Rowe for Jacker in that left eight, that, that strikes me as like a, a good thing to have up your sleeve. Um, if you're if you're pressing like a team back and and you know you're fairly comfortable there so it, it's fine at the moment but I think it definitely needs addressing in the summer I think I think it probably will be um, I, th- I think obviously they'll prioritize the striker um, but I wouldn't be surprised if if they got that left eight as well
1: I think yeah they're the two obvious positions and the, the fact is like if you look at the online debate and debate people are having it why is it like, oh, Tavares should come in for Tierney? Tierney's not playing well. Or, oh, you know, Smith Rowe should play ahead of Martinelli. Martinelli's not playing well. But, like, you don't hear a lot of people saying who should come in for Shaka. And it's not because Shaka is the one that's playing the best of those three. It's that there isn't a tailor made solution there. And so, credit to Shaka, he's taking on that role and doing it the way he can do it. And it leaves us to wonder should Tavares come in for Tierney, who's maybe been a little off his best? I, I think one thing that's going to really rebalance this and bring the left side to life a little bit will be Tomiyasu coming back and then. Tierney can go overlap that pushes Martinelli more central, but Paul, like this is the funny thing, right? Mart- Martinelli spent most of the game out on the touchline, just giving the ball back to Tierney. Granit Xhaka played one pass to Gabriel Martinelli this game, one one pass to him, right? Like Odegaard played thirteen to Bukayo so like the the supply lines are a little different there. But then you get that one glimpse because Odegaard gets into space for one minute at the top of the box and slams a finish into the back of the net. You know what it reminded me a little of? You remember Pepe's. Goal against Chelsea in the FA Cup final that's ruled out for offside. Do you remember it? Yeah. Top of the box, left foot, slams into the back of the net first time. Just a stunning finish. Unfortunately, didn't count. Reminded me of that. The ball just explodes off his foot, and it looks so easy, but that is not an easy finish. And, like, I do think sometimes... Uh, look, I I still believe you have to contribute to the game as a whole. I think his, his tigerish work off the ball... um, Pressing wasn't as evident in this game. And, and certainly he didn't get on the ball as much as you'd like or, or wasn't as effective in it most of the game. But, you know, when someone can do that, it, it keeps them fresh in your memory. And frankly, he probably needed it. He scored a few sensational goals this season. I'll give him that. But it's probably a goal he needed, right? I mean, if Smith Rose available for the Leicester game, based on how Martinelli was playing, maybe he would add a shout for a start. And maybe that goal is just enough that Martinelli could say, all right, I've, I've kept myself safe here. <laughs>
2: Yeah, look, he's clearly a little isolated out on that side for um, whatever reasons. And it's something to do with the dynamic at the moment is uh, Chaka, Tierney, and Martinelli. And they all kind of have their own little issues. But I think in part of it, it's also the fact everybody's on the other side, like party leans that way plays that way um if you look at lacazette's touches you know it's like you go to, you, you decide to go to two parties one evening. You go to the first party and it's great. And then you go on to the next party and it kind of sucks. So you slow back and you go back to the first party again. Like Lacazette's been over to the left side. It's not as much fun. I'm going back to the right side. <laughs>
1: where all the where, stuff's happening.
2: <laughs> yeah, where all the stuff's happening. And party's going to feed that. Like, And partly that's by design, right? That's where uh, I kind of talked about it before. That's the ticky taka wing. Uh, lots of clever players clever touches we pull them in that side switch to the other side um which y- you could maybe say that's the narrative of the third goal maybe it's not quite that but basically we've we pull them over to the right hand side and then switch to the left where Martinelli's coming kind of w- wide left center and that's kind of the arc Typical structure that we've got at the moment the the left wing is going to be more direct more a couple of passes up the pitch with speed either Martinelli or Tierney overlapping and um, but it's still not quite taking the way we would like it to but then the question is how much of a problem is that um obviously there's a chance to for it to step up and to get better and for us to get more goals from that side on the days that they do manage to shut down Saka and Odegaard but maybe then we'll start to cheat to the other side and have Lacazette spend more time there or push party a little bit more to that side so it gets fed um and maybe it, it, uh, obviously not everything's uh, humming along on that side. But I don't think there's an easy, quick fix short of just sticking smith row on the left and see if what we saw in a game or two when he played from that side and us looking really good, if that happens again. Um, like, until we get kind of Bernardo Silva or Gundogan or whoever it is sitting in that spot where Chaka is in the shape of the V, I think what's particularly interesting in these games is how good party is in your kind of Fernandinho um, role, your your uh, Rod- Rodri role. I mean, he really is nailing it down. Really starting to feel it, the passes, so that we can keep in that shape. I had thought that Chaka hadn't actually played as much of that kind of forward eight in this game. But when I looked at it again, no, he pretty much does. The only, the only time he slips back into the second pivot role is when we're under pressure. Like it's basically all party and he's great in this game and somehow it goes under the the radar as he swings it and zips it and handles the pressure. So obviously the opportunities on the left hand side to to get the real deal in that spot. Chuck is doing goodish, uh doing pretty well some games very mm-hmm. well. But like until we have that side. That player, that that hub for that side, uh, zipping it, and I think we underappreciate what Tierney could do for us, because we don't have that aerial presence in the box. Uh, there's nothing wrong; like he can be your Robertson, your to some degree your TAA on the left hand side, swinging in really clever crosses if you have a guy who's going to get on the end of those, and we don't have that at the moment, ironically, if it's anybody, it's probably Martinelli and he's on the same side. If he were coming in with his head, uh, which is his only option uh, from the right-hand side and getting on the end of those crosses, you know, we might have a different feeling about it. Um, Mm. And so there's a few things that don't quite add up on the other side, but maybe it's not a problem. It's just, there's more on the table there we can get from that left hand side. I think we've seen yeah. a better left hand side too. We're just not really seeing it right at the moment.
1: Yeah. So all right. Well, let's just finish this off with just a couple of things. Then uh, Clive's going to come on and talk more about the left hand side and about some of the issues in defense uh, to finish this out. But look, I mean, the the person who's come to li- come alive in in this new setup is is Thomas Party. I think again, there's there's just not much you can say other than for a guy who we were sort of waiting for him to be everything we hoped when we bought him um he's become that and that's great to see the other guy though who has really been central to everything we're doing in this new system is alexander lacazette and before we go to him i just want to say this is an interesting lacazette game for me because alexander lacazette has two assists nice assists clever assist i mean they're still you know not like big chances it's not a tap in at the far post or anything but there are those moments where you just can't help but be like, "Gosh, do the striker stuff, Alex." He had the one mm. breakaway where he's just waiting for someone, and waiting for someone, waiting for someone doesn't want to take it on. And then obviously, there's the, the penalty. Now, to be fair, it probably is a penalty. This is one of those weird things where I, I can have two contradictory ideas. Like, I think it's probably a penalty. That's most things, Elliot. Yeah, to be fair, um, but I also think he can stay up if he's you know if that's a striker who's banging in goals. I think he he could probably stay up there and just do something with it. So yeah, I continue to look at Lacazette as it ain't broke. He's doing the stuff we need to. And yet there's still, there are just going to be moments in games with Lacazette where you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. that's just, this is where we're at with that. I think it's,
3: it, it's the same deal as with Xhaka really, isn't it? It's like, he's doing it to like a good level at the moment. and, <clears throat> Obviously, we aspire for more from someone else, but that ain't going to happen for a couple of months. It's not happening this season. So kind of what we have, what we hold. I I think the interesting thing about Lacazette, I know I said this to you on Twitter Elliot, is like, I I guess how we judge some of those forwards because you're right, Martinelli didn't do a lot in this game except score a great goal. Hmm. And it's, you know, like Martinelli is kind of the striker in this system and it kind of feels like that if Lacazette's coming out with two assists and Saka and Martinelli are scoring the goals, like that is Arsenal's attack in a nutshell. All of the shots come from the wide players, all of the goals, all of the threat comes from the wide players. And like if Lacazette set up each one of the wide players for a goal each, like, and then Erdegaard, did Erdegaard get, oh, oh yeah, he scored, didn't he, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it but, was quite you know, nice. <laughs> so 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 all of our front four, like, had goal contribution, Um, Mm -hmm. so, so they've kind of all done their job, but even if Erdegaard didn't score like that performance alone would have, would have been enough to say, yeah, you, you've been like brilliant today. Um, like Erdegaard, I know this sounds weird. The the important thing is not so much that Erdegaard scored. That is important because we need more goals from him, but the the important thing is him doing Erdegaard things and then for Saka and Martinelli to score and for Lacazette to facilitate, those two to score. So I almost feel like Lacazette's redemption really is that he comes out of this with two assists and that's kind of imperfect, but probably one of the better metrics to judge him on at the mm-hmm. moment. And then you judge, I mean, Saka gives you so much because he's a bit of a unicorn player, but then someone like Martinelli, you probably judge him like you judge a striker and kind of say, that's
1: a really good point. You know, you know, what that's really good because usually in the front line, you're going to have a lower touch player and it's usually the striker. But, like, yeah. our striker is getting a lot of touch. He's very involved in buildup. Martinelli is the guy getting on the end of stuff. And you know what I noticed in this game, too? We had a lot of back post crosses for Martinelli, you know, yeah. and he was just a little unlucky not to get on a few of them. But yeah, maybe he's, you know, he's the off the ball, far side of the pitch, coming at the end striker, as opposed to the, I mean, you know, what Zach is doing, which is. Touch the ball a million times and be amazing. The same he's, with Lacazette and his involvement. He's in
3: replaced the That's yeah, that's what's yeah, happened. Yeah. There, it is not a coincidence that we're seeing this from Martinelli when obamiang has gone. That was always the blocker
2: for him.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, Paul. I, I think you're probably just going to say roughly the same thing.
2: Um, yeah. Well, the Obamiyang point yeah. for sure. Like this was the role that Martinelli was in. Invi- that Obamiang was envisaged for. This is what Arteta keep kept trying to do. I mean. Uh, There was a stat recently under Arteta, um, players who've made the most appearances for him. um, And Saka leads the charts, no surprise there. Number two, Lacazette. Now, when you think of how much time we spent debating who should start and who should start where, in all of that, Lacazette's basically always been playing. You know, he's missed out a few games here and there where we tried a couple of things and when things weren't good. But, like, there's... There's really He hasn't really blinked on Lacazette the whole time. He likes that Lacazette thing in the middle. He just does. And the other stat we saw recently was, of all Premier League teams, uh, which team has the most attacking, passing actions from the center, from the center zone of the, if you like, the five lanes? Yeah,
1: it creates the most chances from the central zones, yeah.
2: Yeah, and shocker, it's Arsenal. That thing we always wanted, right? Now, Zone
1: 14. Come yeah, get some
2: and two assists. That like his the third goal there. That stabbed uh, back spinner that Lacazette lays on a plate. Now Martinelli still has to uh, smack in a worldy, but he absolutely lays tees the ball up for uh, Martinelli to smack it, and like he knows what a striker wants in a shot because he used to be one. Um, and uh, he's just, you know, how do we have... Ang- what magic are we working that we've access to central spaces? Well, we're doing a couple of things, but, you know, our boy Lacazette is the is the anchor that that's, means we're doing what most other teams in the league are trying to do, creating most of their chances, and we're now creating kind of top two, top three-ish number of chances, XG, etc., And we're getting access to central spaces when that was always our biggest issue. So he's doing, we all know he's doing a lot right. Um, And, you know, it's
1: pretty, I think it's a sign good. of a good team that you can be playing well, winning games, and have such a clear identity now that when we start thinking about where can we improve, we very clearly know where we can improve because we very clearly know what we're trying to do. And yet, the players who are in that position are doing perfectly fine for now. So it's it's one for later. I'm uh, going to bring Clive in to talk left side pod and defense, um, but that's going to do it for this section of the pod. So I will end it by simply saying, Tim is on Twitter at Stoberto. Thank you, Tim.
3: My pleasure as always.
1: Pause on Twitter. Paws my Fans. Thanks, pause. Woo! All right, look, I know you've waited all this time to hear, Clive, but actually I have to tell you about your privates. Do you know about your privates? I think you know where they are. I think you know what they do. I think you know what they're about. But look, spring is here. It is a fecund period of the year. Things are growing. And when things are growing, they need to be trimmed. Let me tell you, if you have hedges and you don't trim them, it's bad for the hedges. If you have privates and you don't groom them, it's bad for the privates. So, let's get it sorted out with Manscaped. Come on! Come on now. What are you waiting for? Don't delay. Don't hesitate. Take your shot. Don't be an Alexander Lacazette with the ball at your feet and the the goal gaping. Be a uh, Gabriel Martinelli or Bukayo Saka, and do something extraordinary. Get the Lawnmower 4.0. That's what they would do. I bet that's what they do. I don't know that, but maybe because it is honestly the best purpose-built trimmer that I've ever used. Um, it's designed for loose skin. Like that's the thing, right? Like, and I I realize you may not have loose skin in those areas. That's none of my business. But like, you know, it's easy to trim something that's nice and taut. But it's a little trickier when the skin's loose and they have the skin safe technology and the ceramic blades and all that. So you avoid the nicks and the cuts and the stuff that's not good for the area down there, right? You trim the hedge. You don't want to cut a whole branch off the hedge. You don't want to cut a whole branch off your privates either. So get the Lawnmower 4.0. It has long battery life, works in the shower. It's wet dry, it's got a button lock, it's got an LED light, it's got an immense battery life, but you can just set it in its cradle charger. It's the best. You can get deodorant, you can get toner, you can get the, by the way, the weed whacker, the ear and nose hair trimmer, like that thing's actually great and you need it. They've got nail clippers. It all comes in a beautiful shed bag if you get the performance package 4.0. Your choice, but you gotta do it quick before spring gets the better of you. You're gonna be out and about. You're gonna be wearing maybe short shorts. You don't want anything coming out of the short shorts, that's for sure. So, go to manscaped.com, promo code ArsenalVision. 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Manscaped.com, promo code ArsenalVision. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Once again, what is that website? I think it's manscaped.com. What is the promo code? I think it's ArsenalVision. 20% off, free shipping again. Once you are all groomed, and you're looking your best, you need the best talent working with you. When you need the best talent, when you need a championship team, the best talent is found at Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You don't have to go to 82 million job sites. You're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements so you don't pay. That's the key. All those extra job sites, what a pain in the neck. What a waste of time. Instead, Indeed gives you things like uh, time-saving tools, like instant match assessments, virtual interviews with instant match. As soon as you sponsor a job post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. I mean, come on. like, like think, think about it. You only pay for something you need. just had to cancel a trash service at my house because they wouldn't pick up my trash, but I was paying for it. Think about it. Indeed won't make you do that. They make it easy to hire a great talent. They deliver four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent. Nest, 2019. So, start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. Okay, and now as part of my cunning plan to keep you here till the end of the podcast, I am joined by Clive. You can find him on Twitter at ClivePFC. Hello, Clive.
4: Hey, hello, hello. How you doing? i'm good i'm feeling good we should should all be feeling good shouldn't we
1: had a chance to look at the table yet
4: yeah i quite like it he says before spurs play everton and everton are not very good so let's see what happens
1: well you know i mean what could happen i mean other than a deli alley hat trick (laughs) that's what could happen in a and a a hat trick of a will be assists for it and i'd be here for that um it is the history of the tottenham after all so Clive, since we've had the chance to purr, and purr quite a bit over the good goals and all that stuff, I'm going to deny you the purring, although I do not think of you as the cat type, uh, although you have a voice that could make Wolverine purr. But what we will do in this section, I think, is is tackle two of the issues we covered a bit, but that that I think, from a tactical standpoint, are the, the issues that now Arteta will probably be wanting to address. And the first one I want to start with is just balance, the issue of balance and what's going on with the left pod versus the right pod. You know, and and obviously, depending on your biases and how you like to see the game, some people say, oh, the left pod would work better if Smith Rowe was available. Or other people say, we need to get Tavares in there. Tierney's not getting it done. Some people, Elliot, <coughs> Elliot, will say the, the guy playing the left eight, you know, isn't necessarily suited for that role. And that's short, short it. But I'm, I looked at the past map Scott posted. You really see the right hand bias. And I do think in this game, it, it was more evident than even it had been in the last few games where it was pretty clear. And I think it's telling, by the way, that Martinelli scores a beautiful goal, but from the top of the box in space, a situation he's not really getting into much in this system right now. So do you have thoughts on, other than the fact that Odegaard and Saka are just, you know, next-level sensational, why the left pod is maybe struggling to find the influence that we're getting from the right?
4: Yes, let's have a let's have a chat about this, right? So what, I would sort of, love that.
1: Chat away. I'll drink some coffee.
4: <laughs> uh, so what what's changed in, in recent weeks, right? So it's always cause and effect. So what's changed? So on, we normally were a bit a team that played on the elbow, really, with Tommy Asu in uh, right back, but he would underlap a little bit and he would be solid in midfield. Make sure he looked after Ben White. Make sure he underpinned uh, Martin Odegaard, giving him quick early passes off both feet. And also quick passes to Saka, but doesn't really go past him unless the space is really there to go. If Saka comes into lane four, then you go outside, lane five, give him some support. And he doesn't always cross it. He chops it back for the next phase. I, I have a personal bias towards that. I love how Tom Yasu plays. So what's changed? Cedric's come in. And Cedric is better in the opponent's half than he is his half. So it seems to be Arteta has just switched the elbow around to the other side. right? So he's pushing on Cedric. He's getting the balls into Odegaard and Saka. Why wouldn't you? Because those two footballers are not too bad, are they, really? So, But the way Cedric plays, and we can decide, I don't really care if it's system or design, but Cedric will look to overlap immediately, all of the time. So, if Saka's in lane five, Cedric goes to lane six, he's going running past the physio on the running track (laughs) on the outside. He literally leaves the pitch, right? So, now you could say, what's he doing? Why is he bringing the cavalry over? Like I used to say about Bellerin, remember? I used to say, maybe he's trying
1: to bring Arteta into the play because he had a nice (laughs) (laughs) pre-assistance.
4: I used to say about Bellerin, so consistency is a big thing of mine. Sometimes I say, you don't need to go, you're just bringing people into the picture. Right, just stay, just stand. But maybe that's what he's been asked to do, right? So, and because of that, if you're on the other side of the pitch, you naturally want to sit in because the the left fullback takes the position from the right fullback. The right fullback's by the corner flag, and guess what? Left fullback's going to be in the midfield somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Squeeze Mm -hmm. inside, and maybe when you're on the interior, that's not really Kieran Tierney's game. So, I, I personally think sometimes the system needs to tweak because we've had changes within it. Mm-hmm. And you have to adapt to that. It doesn't mean just because you're playing a different role you no longer can play football. You're just <laughs> playing a different role that's requiring different attributes that may not be your primary attributes, but you bring something else. So Kieran Hilly, now I'd be expecting him to be hand-grenading defensively in the middle, in the mid, in the half spaces and collisioning and stopping transitions. I read somewhere last week, that Arsenal have conceded almost the least or second least goals on transitions. And I'm mm-hmm. sure Kieran Tierney is part of that when he comes inside, tackles, explodes people and takes it off him and gives it to somebody else and off we go, right? So so the left-hand side is slightly not as slick. But what does slick look like for left-hand side? For me, it's worked with various people. But I, st- I still think it can work with Tierney, Shaker, and Martelli. It just works in a slightly different way. I think, Elliot, you pointed out last week, our left-hand side is the is the one that does most of the pressing, most of the ball recoveries. And then we get it and give it, right? So sometimes our left-hand side at the moment potentially should be more of a finishing side. So if you notice what's changed a little bit, Shaka is now running into the box when, when Cedric goes on the outside. He never ran into the box before. So Bossy has a, a little tweak there to say, look, when Cedric goes... There's no point in leaving a lacquer on his own. Get in there on the back post and see what you can do. Mm-hmm. And so we're just evolving, mate, to be honest. And I think with our – as fan watchers, we need to evolve from what we're seeing and then judge it based on what we're seeing, not judging based on what we used to see three months ago when it really – when we, all we did was go to the left-hand side and put in crosses. We need to just tweak our views, our eyes a little bit more, our analysis a little bit more and say, okay, what are we doing now? I think that's, that's what it is for me, mate. I think we just tweaked it around. We're going mm-hmm. on the right elbow rather than the left elbow. And the players in that system are maybe no longer showing their primary skills or allowed to, and so they're showing something else. And that's, we just need to adapt to that.
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the things that can be fun to do, <laughs> depending on your definition <laughs> of fun, I guess, is to go into something like a who's scored or something that has a touch map Forget heat maps, because heat maps tend to be average touch position. Pass maps are average touch positions. But if you can go in and look at a chalkboard of all touches, you can really get a very, very clear picture of how different these sides are operating. And, you know, Clive, I I absolutely think you're right. I mean, it's almost obvious at some point to say that, like, Cedric is being given a role that, was formerly Tierney's role a bit more in the absence of Tomiyasu. Um, And and, you know, it's funny, one of the things I've praised Arteta for a lot, Clive, is that this new system, so many players seem so comfortable in their roles in a way that maybe six months ago or a year ago, they, they looked a little robotic or a little less comfortable. And maybe the one player right now who doesn't really look comfortable, or two, are Tierney and Shaka. Tierney being given, you know, less freedom to bomb on. If you look at his touch map... It's a lot of stuff in the middle third, a few things on the edge of the final third, very few overlapping. Cedric getting to be much more aggressive, as you said. Yeah. If you look at Shaka, one thing that jumps out at me, and I'm curious you know how you feel about this, Odegaard has the freedom to go around the outside, right? To, to get wide, to overlap Saka, to push Saka on the interior, even when it's not Cedric doing it. Yeah. And he, he really floats outside a lot. If you look at his touch map, there's a lot of stuff out by the touchline, which means Sac is able to get more central. Shaka is very rarely outside of Martinelli. And there's a lot less swapping. It feels to me like that left side has much more structural rigidity. Shaka stays in the half space. Martinelli stays on the wing. Tierney stays behind the two of them to some extent, you know, kind of covering as the third center back. And, th- I, you know, I don't know if that structure is there by design, or because there's maybe a little lack of comfort in terms of all of those players working together. But do you see that rigidity there in terms of, especially, sort of Shaka really pinning himself? And in this game, he was more double pivot than eight versus like the Wolves game. But he's definitely pinning himself to a more central location than Odegaard is.
4: Yeah, I think when when you're you know Arteta, you you think to yourself, how can I get the best skill sets from the resources that I have. And someone like Cedric now has a certain skill set. And he said, you know what? I'm going to invest in you because you have got wonderful deliveries in the last third. Mm. I want you there. I'm going to invest in you. Kieran, you sit yourself for a little while. We need you back there to stabilize us at the moment in time because Tommy Ass is out. Can you do that? Yeah, I can. Shaka, can you just underpin, step up five yards you normally do, try to progress the ball on the angle, on the slant. Can you progress it? slightly up and then push on into the box i know it's not your game but can you do it i actually think those two are, are like heroes because they're not doing what they'd like to do but mm-hmm. they're trying to do it and they're coaches' dreams they are coach's dreams honestly and and so i'd rather
1: like wherever i put you i can yeah. get a, a, a reasonable level of performance even if it's not you know the best of your game
4: i'm getting a seven out of ten from you and because of that we are you know we're still we're winning games winning games of football if I ask Cedric to do Tommy Assi's job then we're going to struggle from stability perspective because we'll be defending with two we don't want Cedric standing still we want him moving because that's what he does if we had been standing in into a pseudo back three in our right hand side underlapping which he does on occasions he's not dumb Why well, he can do it but people are going to pick on him Right. So the challenge was a few weeks ago we were looking at our left side and Granit Shaka was getting sent off because he's been left on his own in that left hand channel. It may be an adjustment for that. I'm sick of you being sent off in the last man, so no one's gonna keep Q and behind you. Right, and make sure that you're in areas that can affect us going forward and stabilize our central midfield. Now Tommy Asu. now, he he's comfortable being in that space. And I think he's a critical person for the team. I honestly do. I think he's absolutely vital. I can't wait for him to be back because I think he allows our better players to be better than they are. So at the moment, we're compensating. We're doing really well at it. You know, the last four games, we've won them all. You know, so, but for me, it's not the maximum we can get from these resources at the moment because that key player in Tommy Asu is not quite there to do the job which enables Ben White to be more stable, which enables Gabrielle to know his role, Kieran Tinney knows his role. And it would be interesting to see what Xhaka's role will be when Tom Yassin comes back in. Will he still be that left eight pushing on? I think he will. And I think then we're going to see a little bit more freedom on the left-hand side, which is going to make your boy Martellia and or Smith Rowe look really, really good. And now we're going to have both sides bombing because Martin Odegaard has just gone to a different level and as had his mate Bakaya Saka. So yeah. this is really, really interesting. I sent a tweet out saying, you know, this feels so exciting. But what's really exciting is that not, we all know this is just a start. This is just a start. And what's really exciting is what's gonna to happen tomorrow.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it it and I know look, people will will obviously say, your love for Martinelli is unbounded and, and maybe unfounded as well. But like, (laughs) I do love the player and the goalie scores is sensational and you look at where it comes from and the play starts on the right. He intelligently runs to the the space at the top of the box. He gets the one touch layoff and boom, it's a goal sort of similar to what Saka gets for his goal. The one touch layoff of the Saka's is inside the box. And like, you know, even in a game where where Martinelli, by a lot of people's standards, was poor, he still gets three shots, you know, two in the box, one at the top of the box that he scores. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I do think that the balance, if it's a little better, makes us a little less predictable. And I, I want to ask you a question about Shaka, because something that you say that really resonates with me is that sometimes you lose players. You know, you lose them a little yep.
4: bit. Yep.
1: And I do wonder if maybe, and in this game in particular we saw it, If if this role is, causing Arteta to lose Shaq a bit. Let me explain what I mean. There were seven outfield players who had more touches than Granite Shaq in this game. Seven. Yeah, that fair. never happens. That's not who he is. And then at the end of the game, he plays that, you know, that weird cross field ball that's not on and he doesn't track back and leaves, and leaves um, white exposed. And like, I do you remember when they put the video out of Shaka the Arsenal put the the captain video kind of camera you know what I mean he was pointing and shouting and ging up the team and instructing and we we all were wowed by his on-pitch leadership. The guy's a big personality and I think that starts with the ball being at his feet when he was in the double pivot with Party. I think one of our criticisms was Party deferred to him because that's that's who Shaka is. When he's eighth in the team and touches and he's in a role where you know he, he maybe doesn't have the comfort level do we lose him? I mean, look, I've never been his biggest fan, but there are some things he's excellent at, and some things he can give you. And I just wonder if Arteta is going to lose him a little bit in a role like this because that, granted, Shaka with you know just fifty-four touches in a game, that's not him,
4: you know. No, he's and Thomas Part is now he's got the keys to the car, 93, right? yeah ninety-three <laughs> yeah right, and there was not so long ago. Now it's the other way around, literally. You know, and um, and they were both on the same pitch, and but Shaka was taking all the primary roles. I literally saw moments in this game where Shaka couldn't wait to give it to Pai or go out of his way.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
4: he literally did. And my my thing is, th- the team is developing past him. You know, and and, and I'm all right with it. You know, I, I generally am because. The player that's required on that left hand side, and we there are different ways to look at that position. When I say left hand side, we're talking left centre mid, right? That gets on the angle in possession and goes into a four-four-two of possession. That's what we're really talking about, right? So someone's got to be comfortable in a double six when we when we the we other team's got good possession. And somebody can be a left eight when we've got the ball and really progress. And what, that, what does that play look like? Does it need to be an a metronome again? Or does it need to be somebody sprinty, agile that can push it, get after it? Also, if you're trapped at left-back on your on your own, you can, you're not looking like a fish out of water. There's just different players that we could go for, right? So it's going to be so interesting to see how we develop that position and, and the player that we eventually choose to make that work. I'm, I am so excited to see who we actually <laughs> land on. I'm so excited. Um, and, and once we have it, someone who can push it, move, switch positions, go around people... You know, just a bit more ingenuity can go into the box, edge of the box, shoot. Man, this team has got so much growth potential. It really has. I mean, not yeah. just in the players that we currently have, but if we can find the right players to enable what we what we're currently doing. When I hear you say the word system, Elliot, I got to yes. be honest with you, mate. My, I go. Ooh. I, I think there are it's a weird prin- noise. I,
1: wouldn't, I wouldn't make it a lot so, you know, it's just,
4: it's- I think there are principles of play that are developing, right? So we've spoken about the base pod, the right pod, the left pod, and the central pivot, the central line, which is overburdened, the middle spine. I'm not sure that's going to change too much, but I do think the players within it have significant potential to rotate. Move and the player types change, and what I noticed in this game—I've just had one little look at it, not massively close—and I will have a look at it for if we go do a rewatch this week. But I saw situations where Lacazette was on the right wing, Saka was at centre forward. I saw a situation where Shaka was at centre forward. We started to see Arsenal being a rotation of people or pieces within the zones, and that is something that to me is the next phase rotation, bi-directional movement, people take up different positions within those pods and being comfortable on the outside. You mentioned Odegaard comfortable in lane five on the outside, Shaka not. Guess what? The next sign is going to be somebody happy on the interior and the exterior. you got a centre forward, like Lacazette playing on the right wing to allow Saka to go centre forward. Guess what the next sign's going to be? Someone who's really happy, a forward who's really happy on the outside and inside. So if he's caught outside, he can can skin his man. He's not a fish out of water. The potential for growth with the right signings, I am so excited. It's beyond belief. Honestly, beyond belief. Because the fundamentals and the principles of how we play and how we group, how we progress, the aggression we have from playing by the touchline to absolutely crush and contract into the middle and arrive into the open space that we've left vacated and really arrive there in numbers. That's a principle that's not going to change. It's only going to improve it. More players that can do it. And I think this is so... When we call it system or principles of play, maybe it's just nomenclature. I'm not too sure. But I, I really like what we're doing. It feels very modern and very much repeatable.
1: Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> so... I guess, before we get on to the, one other main talking point I wanted to cover with you, let me just ask you in terms of personnel. I think there are some people that would look at the way Tierney's handling this role, or the way Shaq is handling this role, set aside the Martinelli thing. It's Martinelli or ESR, fine, whatever. And would say, Arteta should try someone else in one of those positions. There's some calls, you know, maybe Tavares should get a look in. You know, my opinion of that, I'll give it before you do, which is typical. <laughs> which um is, is just it, Right, which, which is just... If Tierney's being asked to play more of the quote-unquote Tomiyasu role, well, that's definitely not who Tavares is, right? So I, I don't yeah. know if that's if that's the right call. The other thing would be like, could someone who's maybe a little more of a small-space player like Sambi do what Shaq is doing now a little more effectively? Or even Smith-Rowe, if you want to get really into trying to say, let's have an Odegaard on the left, not that I think Smith-Rowe has the the sort of technical level yet, passing-wise, that Odegaard does. But like, do you see either of those changes, maybe in particular in the left eight, being something worth trying now, or is this a case of grit your teeth, get that top four position, and figure it out in the summer?
4: Yeah, I think I've I've had the Samby thought go through my mind as well. I think he could do it easy. just haven't easy. seen
1: him in so long now. Who knows what you know? Yeah, what, he's ready what, for.
4: what shape he's in, etc. Yeah. And on certain days, like you know, when we're pushing teams back, you're thinking, "Well, Shaka, you're redundant here." This gets me Rowe, He can do that job. I, I think you're right. If you look at the statistics when Shaka and Party play, and that tells you why the managers picking them both regardless of whether he's suited or not. There are things that happen on the pitch, apart from late cross field balls that not needed to happen when your substitute left winger just come on, while you feed it to his feet. Thank you very much. But um, no need to get flashy and switch across the pitch. Apart from things like that, he seemed to do things that allow us to win. When those two play, we win games. If Shaka and Party play the majority of this season, I'm pretty confident where we're going to finish. I really mean that and because they understand. They are the experience too, right, with with Lacazette in there. They are the ones to make sure people are doing the right things all the time, The concentrations levels are correct, et cetera, and they don't get stressed. There was a moment in this game towards the end, I don't know if you remember, it when the ball dropped around Gabriel just near the penalty box. He hesitated on clearing it. He could have given the penalty away if he went wrong. And we've gone from a situation where we're playing like 1982 Brazil to nearly giving away a penalty in the last in the last two minutes. And, and, and where does that come from? Because, you know, it comes from nervousness, the prize, managing stress. And we need, although you're absolutely right, Sambi's probably a better profile fit because he can manipulate the ball. He's got different layers of passing. But he hasn't got the experience of managing these critical moments with 30 million Arsenal fans begging for the final whistle. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I guess I guess what I would say, right, is that like the counterpoint to that is it would have been a much less stressful final few minutes if the guy who's playing ahead of him doesn't play a silly cross field ball and then... You know, absolutely. Amble, amble back to not help out his center
4: back. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, so I mean, we six one, on? does the other. Yeah. It is. I, I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is we're, I mean, To be fair,
1: by the way, Sambi had some dreadful giveaways and really collapses in some big games earlier this season. So I'm not suggesting remotely, by the way, that he doesn't yeah, I, I, you know like, what I'm saying. I'm not saying that's the obvious tailor made solution, not remotely.
4: Yeah, you're doing you're doing whatever every fan does. When the game's going on, you're thinking, I wonder if this guy could do a better job. I wonder if this mm-hmm. guy. I do it. I do it all the time. I make subs in my own mind, right? And I say, Ah, oh, Spiro could have done that job, but he wasn't fit mm-hmm. on this occasion. I'm thinking, oh, flipping at Ainsley. What are you doing sitting on the bench in Roma? Why are you? Why are you in this role? You know, you could do a job mm-hmm. for yeah. us here. It is quite. For, and some people say, Well, Gwen is perfect for this role. And of course, when someone runs past him, we forget that he can't do right so we all go through this in our minds when it comes down to it when shaka and party play we tend to win football matches and there's a big enough sample size with that you know a real big sample size of that and and so if i'm the manager and i'm i'm trying to get Arsenal football club into the promised land again i know what i'm doing i'm sticking with this even though it's a bit lumpy until the game state absolutely screams for something else and then i make that change
1: And to be fair, like when you're on a run of 10 games like we're on and Manchester United have alienated the biggest ego in world football and have just gone a second half without having a shot and Tottenham Hotspur have a coach that is literally asking to be sacked. And those are the guys trying to chase you down for top four. You're not in the position where you need to be reacting, right? Sometimes one of the best things a manager can do, one of the biggest skills a manager can have is to do nothing, is to just take a beat, right? And, and let it, let it percolate because it's percolating just fine right now. So yeah. I, I, yeah. Don't overcoach sometimes. And, and like, I think, you know, Arteta, I will say in this game, seemed to be in some heated conversations with Granachaka. Um, you know, for the people that were at the game, they suggested that like, he was pretty frustrated with him at times in the game. You know, I, I'm sure he understands where some of the areas for improvement are, but sometimes what you've got that's working is better than changing to something that is unproven. I mean, there's a saying in the NFL for teams that are losing, which is not us right now, that the most popular guy in town is the backup quarterback. Right. Yeah. But like that, that doesn't always work out. Um, so,
4: so should I, I tell I, you what I, my feeling is with that? Yeah. And, I, and I, I thought, well, for one, um, I'll tell you, I'll always speak to Shaka because he's the coach on the beach. Right. So he's the, the the true (laughs) leader, shall we say. Um, And I think we just lacked a bit of um, patience in possession to control the game. And we didn't control our distance as well as I thought we should do. I think we became a little bit cocky, if I'm honest with you. And, And why wouldn't we? We were literally flowing and flicking around corners and we looked unbelievable. And we got a bit seduced by our own brilliance offensively and we forgot the other side of the game. That's all that happened. And this is a dream result, actually, because there's enough there to chew on. So in the video session today, they're getting it. Trust me, they are getting it today about what they didn't do. But you're doing this on the back of a win. And so from a coaching perspective, this is a dream. Because I can keep their feet on the ground. We can see the couple of goals. The mistakes are fixable. Let's get back to what we do controlling the football, controlling the phase of the game for longer, and making sure we respect both sides of the football match. Right. And and so when we go into the next three games in six days, this is a perfect lead in to those to those games. You know? It's perfect. If we'd gone three all mate, we'd have been we'd have been rough today. we Would have been rough. But we didn't. So we managed to learn lessons while losing nothing points wise.
1: One, you're transitioning perfectly to my, my next topic, which is about defending. And, and for the record, by the way, like if we're doing a rewatch this week, we scored three goals. You could hang in the Louvre. We're doing a fucking rewatch. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, uh, you keeping yeah, a good so, section,
4: didn't you? Maria? You know what I yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look,
1: look, I'll take 38, three, twos over 38, one nil. So that's just how I'm wired. And, and I do think, look, Clive, we were at that crystal palace game. Um, mm. And so it's one that sticks in the memory for me. And There was a period of time this season where we would take 1-0 leads and stop being in the game at all. The Palace game is a great example. We took a 1-0 lead. We had 30% possession for the next hour, one shot for the next hour, five passing sequences of greater than three passes or more in in an hour. We just stopped being a factor in the game. And we get a late equalizer, so that's not a loss, great. But that Palace team was totally overwhelmed by us to start the game, and we seeded the impetus and we did that a lot previously yes we are more open now but when you are hurting teams the way we are hurting them i still think it is a more as they might say in in you know the stats community plus EV plus expected value way of picking up points we beat brentford because we had the extra goal when we gave away a dumb one we beat watford because we had the extra two goals when we gave away the dumb one and I, you know, I, I can't help it, Clive. Like, this is the football that speaks to me. I think when you go through the transition of being more pressing, more front-footed, and more attacking, one of the things you're asking your defenders to do is do more pure defending in space without the support as much, running back to their goal a little more. Some of that... You know structure and solidity where the defenders were protected by all their mates. Now you have Ben White having to defend in space one-on-one. You have Gabriel having to do it. And sure, you're seeing some cracks because they haven't had to do a ton of that in the last couple of seasons. But the trade-off is well worth it for me. I'm curious how you see the balance between attack and defense. Because to be fair, we probably gave up a few more big chances in this game than you really should against a Watford. So I liked Arteta's comments saying the way you kill this game is you have 300,000 passes in their half. I yeah. love that because my, you know, whiskers mode, worry mode is Arteta will look at this and say, we got to go back to being a little more back to front. We got to take a step back. I'm no. glad that's not what his comments are, that he seems really wedded to this front footed approach. But I'm curious if you think the balance is off now.
4: Yeah. We just lost a bit of control and patience, right? So I think if I take take a step back slightly, We used to play in bursts of football historically, previously, and we'd do really well for twenty minutes. If it went well, even the Spurs home game—if you watch that game again, we was only good for twenty-five minutes. The rest of it, we weren't that great. You know, great, great moments for us for results-wise, but we weren't good for the full night, like we were against West Ham and and Villa and you know Brentford. I mean, and Wolves. I mean, these were monster performances, right? So. So what what used to happen was I, I felt that we we didn't quite have the belief we have now. That's what's changed for me. The belief of where we are, what our talent is, and consistent application over longer periods of time. And that's what's changed for me. I, I don't you could say back to Everton game, the one game that really annoys me this season, really Everton and Man United. Um you could look at it territorially and say we're playing in the wrong areas, except we're a bit passive and we were playing punk rock football then. And then when we got our goals, we don't know what to do. We just played in the wrong areas. Now we're far more aggressive territorially playing in the right areas, getting there more quickly and we're sustaining our quality for longer. And the belief, if anything offensively was too high at the weekend mm. because I think we, like I said earlier, I think we didn't quite have the balance. I, I can say I, I'm not worried at it by this at, at all. I think the goal they scored was a weldy. We should have blocked the cross. And then the the second goal was just overindulgence in midfield and they're not quite tracking our runners. A little bounce and they've got a goal. The goalkeeper comes out, turned into a peanut again, made, made himself smaller and it rolls under him. And we can we got enough there to work on. So I'm not remotely worried about this being a trend. I just want to see us... Restored the balance because Leicester, Liverpool, and Villa will punish us if we're not switched on defensively in, this, in those three games.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is obviously a concern in the sense that if you present the kind of chances we presented to Watford to Leicester, for example, then you're talking about Jamie Vardy and James Madison and um, what, what's his name? The guy in the left. Hudson Decker
4: and well, Harvey Dekker, Barnes. Harvey
1: Barnes, yeah. They're not... They're not going to squander them, um, most likely. I mean, they may, hopefully, <laughs> but like I also don't know that I see us doing that. You and wouldn't. you know, it, it is the you case lift to,
4: a game for the right opponents, don't you, mate? You do. You yeah. lift your game. You lift your levels. You. It's uh, not but just what we're seeing, right,
1: Clive. I mean, if you're going up against a Watford and you're creating chances for fun, maybe the coaches "Go out there, keep pushing them. The goals are going to come." Whereas against a Leicester, you may you may decide to handle game states differently, right? I mean. Yeah. To be fair, Master
4: can't defend either. So. When I exactly, when I say lifty levels, I, I want to I want to reiterate this. Some of those attacking levels were as good as I've seen for a long time. You know, it was beautiful. You know, where we where we carved up the pitch. I mean, it was beautiful. you know, the centrality from party always being available. The amount of disguised passes that he put in, it was just a joke. Mm. I mean, he was catching us out with them, right? So yeah, I mean right. the disguise. The awareness of one touch, the speed and aggression to contract—I mean, oh my goodness, it was just brilliant. And we're we're nitpicking on certain things about the the shape and the structure and the potential tip-top play of our left-hand pod, for example. But mate, we're 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 nitpicking at the top five percentile here. You know, um, this is really exciting where we're going. I suppose we're. We're looking at the horizon and where we could be and where these players are going to go within this structure, which I don't see us changing too much Just the players within it. It is even more exciting because this is really, really sustainable. But we still need to get some young men over the line who've never been to this line before. And um, we saw a little preview of that when people are nervous what could happen towards the end of this game.
1: And it's a reminder too, I mean, Arsene Wenger, you know, played a football that that brought our attacking players to life, but it really exposed center backs, right? It really exposed fullbacks. It It put them into really difficult situations, and some of them thrived. Koscielny and Sacker had a brilliant partnership. Some of them crumbled, and their careers melted, you know, like the snow will never do here in Minnesota. But ultimately, um, you know, our, def- our central defenders are being asked to do a little bit more defending in space, a little bit more isolated defending than, than maybe Arteta would want, but maybe than they have in the past. That's part of the patterns of play that we're developing now. I also thought, look, maybe a little arrogance crept into our game in this game, their first goal. All right. It's a wonder goal to some extent, but like, why is Martinelli having to cover two guys on the wing? Well, you know, no one, no one covers the overlap at all. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. We go rewatch for that mate. But yeah, as as the arriving player was coming, what should happen is she should get a bit tighter. And, and then, then Martin Lay can go with the runner, but it just didn't happen. I, I do think it was arrogance. So I think, yeah, go on cross on the run, see what can happen. Oh, bicycle kick, goal. It's literally like that. You know, you do get like that. Players feel it on the pitch. They think, okay, we're better than you today. We're going to beat you no know, matter what. Fans were thinking, come on, we just need these three points. May United are hopefully going to lose. <laughs> can you just get the job done so we can relax? And so we have different emotions going into the game. But on the pitch, I think our players felt they were way better. They were enjoying themselves and maybe disrespected parts of the game defensively. Easy to fix, mate. Don't stress. Don't stress.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'll i tell you, like, I, I'm not stressed. Like, the funny thing is, as the guy who is the warrior, the resident warrior, like, this is the football I love, and I get that it's going to mean sometimes opportunities are given to the other side. Here's the great thing, though, right? Goals are very hard to score. Chances are missed more than they are taken. So... If you get loads of good chances and score three goals, but give up a couple of good chances at the other end, okay when when you're unlucky, you'll get absolutely clinically punished for those couple good chances you give up, but more often than not, they might take one of the two and you win three one, and like that's that's fine. I, look, there were just some ropey displays here, like Ramsdale, he's playing a little on the edge right now, uh, you know if we're being, if we're being completely honest. Gabriel's going through his first wobble of the season, I think. I think it's fair to maybe say that. Um, yeah, he's had a
4: couple, but like I say, I, 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 I see all these things. I, I watched it too. You know, I see all these yeah. things. I see it playing out from the back and I'm thinking, oh, do you, can't you just clip it a little bit longer? This is where you have a battle with yourself emotionally. We want to keep playing the way we play. It's important to play the way we play. It's important not to get nervous and start doing things that we don't do these are not our principles and so one angle i'm thinking "Oh, so come on man do a better pass but this is how we play and when he whips it between two people saying 10 yards apart we all go what a great goalkeeper i didn't know he mm. could kick it that well yep. he, if he don't the only people don't make mistakes are the people who don't do anything right don't try anything and so i want him to keep trying i want him to keep playing where we're playing because we can all see the improvement the, the challenge is potentially game management, when to do it. 10 minutes before you enter the game, do we need to do the pass like that? But hey, look, like I say, we we got away with it. We got away with it. We learned something about ourselves. It's a reminder, don't disrespect the football match because it will bite you. Right? So like I say, it's a great day for the coaches earlier, honestly, trust me. And now we can reset again before a big week upcoming.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I have to say that, like, I also think given the, the emotion involved in those Wolves games and we know why that emotion was there and the way we won it coming down from that, playing a team that's struggling towards the bottom of the table, fighting for their life in front of their home fans, knowing that, you know, if we get through that, we're in the top four. And then we've got three games in a week coming up next week. Like, Scott called it a trap game on the instant reaction pod. I think it is. You see a lot of teams drop points in these situations, get ambushed. You'll go through hard hard moments. Look, you score three goals, you're going to win most of the time. And I'm, I like this way of playing. So I'm certainly fine with us continuing to, to play this way. And I think the more we play this way, the more we will create more chances. I actually thought we left a lot of goals on the pitch in this yeah. game. And Agreed. the more our defenders will normalize to having to be a little more alive to some of the danger that's going to be created going the other way. So I, I just think it will get better and better. And yeah, I mean, Clive, look, my big, my biggest regret from this game, ironically, is the goals we left out there. Not really the the errors we made that that gave them chances.
4: Yeah, they're lucky. Our top scorer wasn't fit to play, right? So it puts mm-hmm. me throw into the mix here. We got another player to come on who can bounce forward and really add some. The good decisions in the last third. I mean, there's still work to do. We know that we're a little bit light as a squad overall, particularly if we're in Europe next year. But yeah, we know we've got a situation with centre forward and left eight, but they're not they're not massive situations right now. We got to, we talk about two experienced international footballers that are trying to carry a young team over the line. I'm prepared to wear the fact they got leaden boots on occasions, as long as they turn up in the big moments, and those big moments are just round the corner.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a good place to leave it. We'll do a rewatch. We'll do a couple other fun pods uh, for patrons throughout the week, but we'll have obviously a second pod this week for everybody. So wherever you join us, we're just glad you're here. And uh, hope you like this one. I mean, I, I look, this when you score goals like that, it doesn't matter what else happens. If you get three points and score goals like that, you better have enjoyed the game, and I sure did. So uh, we have, gosh, a, a really big week coming up next week. It starts with Leicester um, on Sunday. And then uh, what is it? It's Leicester, Liverpool, Liverpool and Villa, yeah. uh, and and obviously uh, the good news is the first two are at home, and it's a way to Liverpool, who I mean to Villa, who let's face it, they look pretty good right now, and Coutinho has made a big difference. There, so just had a win.
4: Liverpool in form, and Villa have found themselves. So this is it, mate. This is yeah, the one.
1: Vardy's back for Leicester. So this, this is the week. This is the week to polish it off, especially considering you know United and Spurs are going to play each other. I don't know. Has the United Liverpool match been rescheduled yet? I don't think so. Almost sure, but yeah. I'm not sure. Well, all right. We'll figure it all out. Okay, let's leave it there. Clive's on Twitter. CliveBFC. Thanks, bud. Thank you very much. My name's Alex Smith. You can me on Twitter. Yankee Gunner. We love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. Lester New.